0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement podcast. On this episode, we have the one and only Clifton Harsky. But before we jump in, here's a message from Dr. Kelly Sturette.
1: For your listeners, we have created it's the slash Kokoro Movement. We've got we've got something for you. You know, we have if you just want a
0: two week on ramp crash course, full access to everything. We'll give that to you for two weeks. Come come see how we're solving the problems. Take steal what you like you know leave the rest behind you know keep speaking your own movement language there you have it my friends please go take advantage of that free two-week trial from the thereadystate.com and here we go without further ado clifton harsky talk about. So, (laughs) man, uh, so I I was listening to your interview with uh, Coach Q on the 30 Minutes on Q podcast. And, uh, you know, I've been meaning to reach out to you for a while. But one of the things uh, that I kind of wanted to really get after is, um, you know, you were talking about your three gyms um, that you essentially closed due to this pandemic. Is that correct?
1: Well, I would say that the pandemic was the final blow. If I'm being 100% honest, they were, we were in a little bit of a struggle boat at that time. Okay, um, We are financing from the, from the monetary owner, yeah. became a little bit uh, suspect and challenged in 2019 Right after we opened our new studio, his other businesses failed and that put a really big strain on what we were doing. And while we were growing month over month in that new facility and we're roughly three months out from being break even, unfortunately, his cash situation got to a point where it just wasn't going to live and it just happened to coincide you know, about three weeks prior to everything getting closed down we closed down. So it would have been our death blow if we hadn't already said, you know, let's just go ahead and make the call.
0: Right. And so I uh, run a small boutique gym here in Flagstaff, Arizona with another friend of mine. And it's a constant debate like every week on whether we should uh, keep it open, if it's viable to keep it open, Um, if we should close it, like kind of what the future is and we're kind of reacting based off of the information that we currently have, which is not much. And, yes. you know, it's like Americans are just like, hey, this is done now because we're kind of bored. And you're like, okay, so we're just kind yeah. of waiting to see how that goes, you know. And uh, in Arizona, the the governor of Arizona essentially opened us up on May 15th and we elected to stay closed until tentatively june 1st and you know all the while a lot of our friends um from all over america are having to either close their gyms down or keep them open so it's just kind of uh it's an interesting situation and just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen and so i kind of wanted to get your opinion on the viability of gyms moving forward or if you think that everything is going to try kind of transfer into like the garage gym space
1: so i definitely think that the last two months have taught a a big population that they don't necessarily need the actual gym to stay active i mean we've had a tree uh Suzanne Summers and Richard Simmons, VHS since the 70s and 80s. Right. So now we have better technology to deliver better workouts to people all, all, wherever they want, when they want, however they want, directly in their wrist with an iWatch. Yep. I don't know if it's called an iWatch. Um, I don't know. It is, but <laughs> it's certainly easy enough to remain active without needing a gym. Right. With that being said, I, I don't think – we're going to end up with like the entire industry completely collapsing. I think there will be some massive changes right. as far as the industry as a whole. It's just so tough the way that uh, government is treating fitness facilities as the same, no matter what they are. Right. So not even big box versus a uh, private facility, you know, it's like private personal training, I don't see how that's an issue at all because if you, you know exactly what you're touching, it's easy to clean. There's not that many people in the room that makes it very easy um, versus a private small group training that focuses on hit or hard breathing. That's an issue. So there, it may be an opportunity or maybe a necessity for a lot of facilities to switch from a cardiovascular challenged model where you're panting and breathing in and spitting on accident because you're breathing so hard into a more strength training focused environment, because that won't lead to quite as much heavy panting and breathing uh, both on inhalations and exhalations. And I think that's going to be the real issue from my understanding. And I'm not a, I'm not an expert in any way sweat doesn't even sound like it's really that big of a deal. Right. It's more like it's the droplets in speaking or breathing. Right. And if you've got an instructor yelling and you got yeah. people, high, you know, breathe it hard, that's a problem. So right. if, if, if gyms are focused on strength training, which looks like private training yeah. or uh, small, like two to four people per group, I don't see how that can be a problem. Right. Um, the ginormous facilities, I, do, I don't see how you keep them clean right they 're massive there's too many people moving around touching too many things to really feel confident about it um, small facilities like we ran a group so groups of fourteen to twenty unfortunately, uh, the way that they're opening with twenty five to fifty percent capacity, the math makes it tough to warrant even opening right. because if you have to pay your instructor and have extra hours for cleaning but you can only accommodate a quarter to half of the patrons that you are used to math says you're not making enough money to pay the extra, um, you know, labor costs that are going to be associated with these changes. Right. And so as much as we may want to argue our beliefs and what we think, uh, you, nobody can argue math and math is going to put people, is going to either make people lose their savings, trying to make it work prematurely or, Close based on having to pay rent, even though they're not paying labor. Um, So it's, it's definitely a scary situation. Now with all that being said, if you happen to have a facility that is catered around small group strength training where you can control the equipment being touched, used by everybody, then you may actually be in a good position to be one of the safe spots open Right. Assuming government allows that to happen. And uh, then you're looking at, all right, all these other competitors or other options that were there historically are no longer there. So now it may be a massive opportunity to capture more of the market. Right. Um, So it's funny because you look at it, you're like, man, I don't know if this is a terrible situation or actually an opportunity. You know, right. unfortunate, unfortunately for all the people that are going to lose their businesses, um, it's, it's massively problematic for them and it's sad. Uh, and then there's going to be a lot of people that figure it out. Maybe not a lot of people. There's going to be people that figure it out and it's a massive opportunity to reinvent themselves or start a brand new business. Right. I've already seen um, a really well run. It's not a CrossFit gym, but it's, it's similar in the methodology and the setup but they've already done uh, a change where they're drawn big boxes, eight by 12 on the floor mm-hmm. and uh, at least eight by 12 with space in between and everyone will have all their own equipment. So there's no more of the sharing of pull-up bars, no more sharing assault bikes. Class sizes are a little bit smaller. Um, and that those are the changes that are going to have to be made. Our studios at Fitwall, we, everybody had their own equipment and their own space. Right. So, we would have actually probably been okay to open back up and we were strength focused. Um, we would have needed to space out the stations and had half capacity. And at that point math is just, <laughs> math is right. uh, un winnable.
0: <laughs> right. And so that's got, We are a holistic strength facility essentially. So we are primarily focused on pain and dysfunction and getting people out of that with a proper movement practice right and so we are training people um 3 days a week a lot of my personal clients transitioned online uh during this time there's some that are still uncomfortable with coming back to the gym but there's some that really want to and so yes. then we just kind of split it up that way you know and there's but then you start looking at uh like those bigger box gyms like the big CrossFit gyms like I know a guy down in Phoenix who has one that's like the size of Walmart it's huge and so then you got to start looking at well there's going to be smaller class sizes which means that you're going to have to space them out more throughout the day so you're going to have more classes to accommodate everybody and it's just a really interesting conundrum is you know just this whole thing is just trying to figure it all out and so like personally on top of that I started uh, teaching um kin stretch at, uh classes online uh 4 days a week and i'm going to start monetizing that next month and so then you start thinking well next month i'll just start teaching kin stretch classes open air like in a park and yes. then you're just like well and you know i'm a massage therapist also so i started um doing house calls for people because that is they feel more comfortable because they're more in control of that environment going to yes. their houses and then you start looking at that and then you're just like, mm, this is very little overhead. You know what I mean? And yep. you know, like Dan, John talks about that all the time, right? Like have as little overhead as possible and you'll be successful as possible. Right. And so yep. then you're just like, well, what are we doing, man? You know? So it's like this weird, it's, it's such a weird time just kind of, uh, trying to figure it all out like i said with all the information that we're given which could be completely different two weeks from now because like i said america's open and it's memorial day weekend and people are all over the place and nobody's wearing masks or anything you're just like all right see how it goes you know
1: yeah i'm very interested in in, it's it's cool to hear that from you it's a little different here in san diego yeah Um, i think that we i'm gonna i'm gonna I guess, overgeneralized, but in San Diego, as far as California goes, we're pretty red Yeah, uh, here in San Diego, but still across the board, California going to run pretty blue. And I think Arizona generally is my understanding runs a little more red. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, and I haven't traveled, so I can't really say, I, I mean, and I don't really trust to repeat everything you see on social media and the news. Cause everything right. has bias. Right. But, the end of the day, like I've traveled enough around the country to know, yeah, we kind of operate on party lines, generally speaking. Right. So, I, I go to Florida the end of June yeah. uh, to teach a certification, and we have a very small attendee list because we're just going super careful with it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's the right thing to do. It's a better safe than sorry business approach because there is worry about litigation and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also early enough to be like, yeah, we really don't really know, but at the same time, I don't want to keep operating under this ever, uh, uh present fear of we, well, we can't do anything cause we don't know. Right. Um, nothing, like we'll never get anywhere as a society if that's how we go. Right. Um, uh, so I, I don't know where, how you straddle those two things. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. And that's where all this debate is. Cause
0: right. And so, um, you know, I agree that we just kind of got to get started and I think there's a lot of places that are doing a good job but there's also people that are just like no nah, this isn't happening anymore and it was yeah. a hoax from the beginning and you're just like oh my god and so um you know but this pivot that like I'm currently doing is is what my plan is because I was uh, my wife is a uh CV ICU nurse. And so she found a podcast where this doctor was like talking and giving really good uh, information on it. And he said that it's probably going to die down a little bit in the hot summer months and then going to come back in the fall. And so what I feel like this is for me is a test run to kind of see how my pivot is going to work. And if it's going to be viable for the future because if we get hit again, then I'm just like, oh, okay, we're just gonna go back to this and everybody's kind of used to it. You know what I mean? So like I think the danger for gym owners is to just kind of go back to normal because you need to have another pivot in mind in case it happens again. And if it doesn't, super awesome. But I'm like pretty skeptical at this point, you know?
1: I'm also skeptical the it was not funny, but um, it was in January, February, for whatever reason, the, at that point, it wasn't as heavily covered as it is in the last two months, of course, right. but it kind of caught my attention. I was, I was, I shopped early with some food and some different things just cause I never, I was never a hundred percent sure like how quickly people might panic. And it was nice. No one, no one ever did. And we've eaten all the food already. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, some water and some right. beans, right. um, just, I was like, huh interesting podcast. I'm going to go ahead and get prepared. And then I felt a little bit crazy and <laughs> yeah. luckily nothing, nothing terrible, terrible happened from a, like a food shortage thing. Um, but I was all over it at the beginning and I, now I've gotten, I've gotten much more calm about the situation uh, which is nice, but right. it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be very, you know, I got to say like I'm at ease with the fact that our studios are closed and I don't have to, be worried about it I'm pretty happy about that fact yeah um because I had to worry about it now and and all the employees I mean said I had to let them go the first time but you know like having to worry about them on edge the whole time would be scary
0: yeah and yeah going back to you know February like you said February early March that was it just seems like a million years ago but uh you know i was doing the same thing okay so i need to go get some rice i need to get some meat i need to get some frozen vegetables i need to get all this stuff and that's like right when we were running out of like toilet paper and paper towels and all this stuff and i was at uh sam's club and everybody on this podcast has heard this story already but that's the only time where i had like this little freak out moment where i was walking out of there and this guy had four things of paper towels. Yep. And this little animal part in my chest was like, Hey man, I'm bigger and I'm stronger. And I take your paper towels. Do you understand how this works? But then I was like, Oh no, I'm a responsible adult. It's cool. I'll just get all the real supplies and go to my house, (laughs) you know, but that was like the only moment that I had where I was like, okay, this is weird, you know? And, uh, it's, God, it's just such a weird situation. And like, I keep, I keep, Comparing it to jiu man, like if you focus on the arm bar, then you're going to get choked and vice versa. Right. So you just really need to kind of play by ear. And like I said, like if in two weeks, you know, we don't have a substantial jump in cases and deaths, then great. And, but if not, then I'm mentally prepared for that too. So it's uh, it's just really kind of interesting how, everybody's reacting to it because I had um, one of my friends uh, down in uh, Tucson just closes gym immediately just to say, you know, I am not going to let the government be in charge of when I can and cannot open my gym. So I'm just transitioning online immediately right now, which was, I thought was really interesting.
1: I think, you know what, I think there's a lot of people that are going to use it not as an excuse, but like as the valid, the final, like, you know what, I was having a hard time. wasn't sure if it was going to work, and this is my indicator that I should get out. In fact, like if you look at Twenty Four Hour Fitness and Golds and bigger boxes, there this is a huge opportunity for them to go Chapter Eleven, yep. which is not like a tr- you know it's not a true bankruptcy. It's a restructuring, put mm. payments on pause, while you get rid of things that are problematic, and they're closing down all their non-performing clubs. They may actually come back leaner and meaner as a result, right? which is but you gotta have the you gotta have the capital uh to be able to do that
0: which is like a mindset thing right so like you know because owning a gym or just even owning your own business in general doesn't have to be in the fitness industry it's hard it's incredibly difficult like all the all my friends that are restaurant owners they're struggling right now you know like it's 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 a rugged time for everybody so then is there people that kind of fight through and kind of figure it out or does this just like you said give you an opportunity for an out
1: yeah i think um yeah i think it's an opportunity you know for an out holy moly i just found oh man i should turn this around on you i just saw I literally almost just stepped on, on a three-foot snake. Uh, let me, <laughs> Amy.
0: This is this is an exciting turn of events. I've never had this on a podcast before.
1: <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've never had a snake almost. I've never almost stepped on a snake, Bob. She, I got a snake over here. That's funny. This, yeah, this is pretty exciting. Uh, I, luckily, it it did not have a rattle on it.
0: Yeah, that's so good. therefore
1: it's a maybe a gopher snake or some sort of a snake of that type it did not have a rattle Babshi, from what i could tell no it was big <laughs> no it had diamonds and stuff like that so that's the only concern is yeah but it's it slithered into there of course it did yeah all right <laughs> i've got the snake expert i'm on a podcast so oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's pretty exciting to get a to get a snake on a podcast.
0: Yeah, Thanks. have you been? Have you seen those videos? Well, you posted one a while back of that Coyote Thompson guy. We got stung yes. by that oh. murder wasp.
1: <laughs> so that was what one. That's like an hour and a half. I'll never get back because I got down the YouTube rabbit hole and was like, "This guy is amazing." <laughs> totally. <And laughs> why is he continually? Getting himself stung by all these psycho animal, uh, bugs and and whatnot, but um, it was very entertaining. The reason I I kind of I didn't obviously didn't freak out or anything, but we've this year already had two rattlesnakes, and yeah. we have a nine year old and my my that's my nephew, and then a almost a three year old, and then a cat and two dogs. Right. So if we have rattlers on our property, not awesome. No. Um, that's and so. Name. We have to, we have to catch them and, and chop their heads off. Yeah, uh, that's totally. like I did. We had one a couple of weeks ago um, Yeah, and the gopher snakes, they, they're great to have around because they'll actually fight them and hopefully keep them out of here.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. So that's a thing that I've been talking about since kind of the very beginning of this pandemic. And the reason why America is just like, Oh, this is over now is because we've had such a comfortable life for so long, like to the point where for the most part you can walk out your door and not get attacked by any animals. You know what I mean? Which is a pretty new development for the most part, like the last couple hundred years, like, and you know, but apparently you still got to be paying attention because there's rattlers outside your front door.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was right across our stair path and uh, it's that was, it was a, I'm glad it wasn't a rattler uh, yeah. from what I can tell, but my eyes are on the screen, which is a good indicator of like, Hey, this is, you know, look how uh tied into tech now, obviously this is slightly unique, but right. so many of us would have been walking around looking at our screen anyway.
0: Right. So I do have uh, two German shepherd mixes and we take them out in the woods because one of them's a puppy and uh, you know, four years old now. And so you know, just taking them for a walk on a leash doesn't do anything. That, that guy needs to go chase deer and, you know, everything. So we get them out in the woods and that's a big worry is those rattlesnakes. Cause they're just like, Ooh, what's that? And runs right up. And it's a bummer, dude. So,
1: um, yeah. Now you, you guys probably have rattlers, I would assume in yes. Flagstaff. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause we're two and a half hours North of uh, Phoenix
1: up here. Yep. I spent one night in Flagstaff. <laughs> yeah.
0: Doing what? <laughs>
1: I um so in two thousand eleven to twelve is when I was traveling and teaching for a company called MoveNet. Yes. And um Erwan was uh he's Erwan Lecour, he's the French guy that is in charge of MoveNet. He lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico for a couple yes. of years. So my office in between weekend trips uh teaching was in New Mexico to go work with him. Yeah. And my initial drive out and back just to to scout took me through Flagstaff. I was like, oh, well, I mean, if I'm driving through here, I might as well go see the Grand Canyon right? and then stayed one night there.
0: Yeah, so that's how I try to get all my friends to come hang out with me because normally I'm uh, hanging out with them at education courses all over. So a mutual friend of ours, Andy Shea, is uh, where I take a lot of my courses. I take a lot of my courses at his place. Yeah. So, but nobody comes here because it's kind of a pain in the ass to get to, to be honest. You know, there's really kind of no direct flights. There is from San Diego and from Denver. Mm -hmm. You know, most, for the most part, people have to drive down to Phoenix, rent a car, and then drive all the way up or, you know, just drive here. And so, I don't know. Yeah. But that's how I entice my friends to come hang out with me is to go to the Grand Canyon and check it out. Absolutely. Because it's a thing, man. It's like, (laughs) you know, and I've seen it, I've lived here my whole life. So I've seen it every which way you possibly can. But, you know, every time you go there, you're like, Oh dang, this is pretty epic.
1: You know, it is, it is absolutely grand.
0: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> right on. So, um, you know, we kind of just dove right in without really getting a background on who you are and what you do and, you know, listening to you on uh, coach Q's podcast, It was just really funny how similar we are where you were just like, oh, that's awesome. I want to teach that. And then so you just go and teach it, you know. And so I uh, came up with a course with uh, Andy Shea and we taught it at his facility around this time last year. And when, you know, I'm there early getting ready, getting all set up and then all these like high level coaches started walking in and all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, do I know what I'm talking about? (laughs) So but it was really fun once we got started and um, really kind of a a collaborative effort because, you know, if we got stumped, then there was other coaches that we could refer to within the class. And it was actually a really good time, but
1: yeah, I was bummed to miss out on that. I, uh, I, I know that I, I talked to Andy about it, but at that time with the multiple studios and multiple certifications, uh, not didn't have a whole lot of free weekends. Yeah. So I was unable to make it, but, that's where I was familiar with you yeah. was through looking at that. I was like, oh yeah, uh, he does a lot of different things. And I think anytime you've got this wide breadth of knowledge and you start to see the common threads between multiple disciplines, right. if those common threads is where the magic lies. It's like, you no, know, if everyone's coming to these same conclusions, I probably should pay attention to that.
0: Right. And so that's uh, one of the interesting things about my massage practice is pretty early on, I, um, started taking different stuff. Like, uh, the, one of the first courses I took was dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. And so, and then after that, I was like, "Mm, movement's probably the way to go. And so like massage therapy is my avenue to get people to move better. And then it's also kind of my fix them up if they're in the gym and they're just like, oh, this is starting to bug me now that we get them on the table, get them moving. Does that feel better? Yes or no? And so it's just a really good kind of a blend between hands-on and movement. So, yeah, I've been really digging it. And that's what me and Andy really worked on. And I thought we came up with a really good course.
1: He Yeah, I, I was bummed. Uh, I, don't, I mean, once things are back and running, do you guys have plans to do it again out here?
0: We we're planning on East coast kind of around this time. And so, sure. um, you know, I was talking, I was uh, going to start talking to my friend, uh, Joe Lavaca, who um, has a bunch of hookups out in New York city. Um, and we were going to look at going out there. I have a, a friend of mine that I took a course with in uh, the DC area. We were looking at going out there and then that just kind of all fell apart. But you know, teaching is definitely one of my passions and I love doing it so much. And I'd love to jump back on that war wagon again with him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah. So let's talk about you, man. Let's, uh, So who are you teaching for right now?
1: So I, uh, I, I very recently, and I haven't done any real, real formal announcement on it, but, um, as of January this year, I was teaching for the Pain Free Performance Certification. That's with Dr. John Russin. Yeah. I was teaching for Animal Flow, uh, okay. one of one of the first four master instructors there, and I was teaching for Kettlebell Athletics with Jason Brown. Okay. And with the Kettlebell Athletics, we pretty much had the um, contract with Equinox to provide their. Kettlebell continuing education. If we wanted, to, if we want to run other certification events, we certainly can. So, and then of course, I, I you know building the program, uh, programming and and mantras uh, systems for Fitwall itself. Yeah. But as Fitwall closed, uh, you know there was an opportunity to decide what full time effort I wanted to make. I've been splitting my efforts over multiple things for multiple years. And we just had our second kid, uh, four weeks ago now.
0: Yeah. Congratulations, man.
1: Thanks, sir. Uh, and so I didn't want to continue to spread myself out over many, many things because there needs to be even more efforts and attention at home. Otherwise you step on a rattlesnake. And, (laughs) um, and so the growth potential and the growth Uh, rate of what we had in front of us with the PPSC uh, with with John uh, Was the opportunity that spoke to me the most um, as director of programming uh, or educ you know lead direct lead education um, at at the PPSC and that's just basically taking a develop our other presenters since I've presented hundreds and hundreds of workshops and certs at this point over the last 10 years um, developing future offerings, uh, future courses, if we decide to do those and just still traveling once to twice a month and delivering great uh, workshops, hopefully great workshops yeah. to people all over the country and shit, even the world. Yeah. Uh, so as of now, as of a month ago, um, my last kettlebell animal flow certs, I taught. Yeah. Um, and, it's funny to think. I, I thought I was going to have one or two more. Then every cert on earth is canceled. So yeah, uh, which is, never had my my pour out pour out the last drink on an Animal Flow cert officially because I didn't really anticipate it going this way.
0: <laughs> right, which is bananas because I was signed up for a uh, functional range release of the spine uh, May first through the third, and then that fell through, and then yeah. they couldn't figure out how to optimally put that online so then i got refunded for that and so i'm just like (laughs) but i'm just like it's really interesting because you know i went the traditional education route and it just didn't work for me because the teachers there don't give a shit and it's pretty much they're teaching you archaic information and then they don't teach you how to apply it right sure so you know once i um graduated massage school and then just kind of went on my own educational journey. I just started getting obsessed because everybody that creates these courses are super passionate about it. And they figured out how to make it apply to them. That's most optimal for them, which could be optimal for you as well. And it's like one of those things where you either take like a whole course and run with it, or you just take pieces here and apply it. And so either way it's worth it. And even right now, Uh, Just, um, you know, I'm also watching the way that people teach, you know, and what, what makes them engaging and what doesn't and their whole personalities behind everything. So it's just, there's multiple facets there that I'm really interested in. Um, It's just so fascinating. But then, uh, so let's talk about the one that you're teaching with uh, John Rusin and what that's about.
1: So the pain-free performance certification uh, when he first asked me to teach just the course not in a, in a supervisory role or anything like that just come and teach the course uh, initially I was like man I I would love to I haven't seen it so it's hard to say yes and also I don't have any weekends uh, so we we talked about it because we, we had been discussing for a couple of years doing some joint workshop experiences and just knowing what high quality work he puts out there, I was like, okay, yeah, I will go and look. And if it resonates well, then I'll try to make it work because I'm, uh, I have a good uh, relationship with Equinox. And yeah. they can be picky about who they let um, teach for their company. So I went and after, I mean, right through the first day, I was like, these are systems that are immediately applicable to my own studios And would help anybody that's running a personal training or small group training, and even group fitness, just run more systemized, efficient ways of uh, excellent warmups that put in sequence and meld different corrective strategies, activation strategies, soft tissue strategies, and they don't let people go down the rabbit hole doing any of those things excessively which is where right. a lot of people go, right? Like somebody that is potentially uh, greener than you or I or falls in love with a system might end up turning their entire class or uh, individual sessions to a s- foam rolling session as an example, or a right. stretching session. Meanwhile, the client is like, you I just kind of want to get some biceps and not hurt. Right. So he systemized all these different things because he's taken the education and all of them. Into a really nice package, and then that's day one. Effectively, is how to develop a warm up that is corrective based, it's soft tissue based. It builds on itself. It takes into consideration uh, your nervous system and how to, let's just say, download new information and how to move in a in a nice way. Uh, and then on day two, you know, we're going to go over the foundational patterns: squat hinge. Lunge, push, pull, carry, and what a good, quick screen is, and when you might want to look into a deeper assessment. Yeah, and even at that point, it's not going to be a physical therapist. Thomas tests degrees of internal rotation, et cetera, et cetera, uh, because we're teaching trainers that want to train the clients, and the, the primary focus here is, hey, we even if somebody has an injury, achi, boo boo there are thousands of options that they can still do successfully to generate the changes they want to make and stay pain free. Uh, And and it's a contentious word using pain in any way, shape or form. Right. And So when we say pain free, like we're really meaning we want to keep you pain free. No new pain, no new injuries, no new ouchies, no new boo-boos based on, picking arbitrary exercises that you think you need to do instead let's respect your own anatomy capability injury history and then apply the exercises that are most appropriate for you when we do that it should be relatively easy to not hurt somebody as an right. example like if someone's got pre-existing back pain and uh it, it's made worse by a barbell deadlift from the floor but they go to s and c gym that's like you know you got a deadlift from the floor And so they just keep pissing their back off. I don't care how many damn correctives you do. If your body can't get in that position without some sort of compensation, you're, you're screwed. Right. And so the most obvious choice is stop doing the goddamn thing that hurts it. Right. And right. And so this sets up a good way to go about figuring out what won't screw, screw with you. So pain-free means don't add issues. Don't add pain. Don't add misery onto somebody. And then if you avoid it long enough and you get stronger where you are good, ideally you start to expand your comfort zone. You expand your confidence zone and then things that may be hurt in the past end up not being an issue going forward. Right. And that's really from a trainer fitness profession. I think that's the best that you can do. Yeah. If, if, you have to start getting a little bit more specific with manipulations and et cetera. That's where it's like, Hey, I got this massage therapist. He knows a lot of things and to get into the nitty gritty, that's his rail right. or I need to go to a chiro or physical therapist, acupuncturist. And while I can appreciate trainers wanting to expand their knowledge base, um, most people that are coming to certifications aren't there yet. Yeah. And you can get a long way just through some solid ass programming and exercise selection.
0: Right. And so that's uh that's one of my big core beliefs too is, you know, you shouldn't just tell people to stop moving. That's like, that's irresponsible. That just means that you don't want to spend the time with that person to figure out what they can or cannot do. So, you know, like the, uh, and then what it sounds like to me is that you're saying intention over intensity for the most part.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so like, that's one of the biggest uh, problems that I have currently with the fitness industry is that it's so hyper-focused on intensity mm-hmm. and it's uh, just immediate spectacular results, which is something that you'll get if you just start doing anything really is, you know, so like, for instance, if you're eating McDonald's three times a day, and then you go vegan, is it better? Yes. Is it the best? No. But it stopped you from doing that shitty thing that you were doing. So now you're less shitty.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: So, so like, and so like the same thing with like CrossFit, is it the best for you? Probably not. But is it better than what you were doing, which was nothing? 100% you know what i mean and so yep. it's just unmaintainable in my opinion to just be sprinting all the time
1: and yeah, absolutely
0: it's irresponsible to be adding movements like box jumps or deadlifts or whatever it is into that equation for somebody who's not an experienced mover or lifter you know so i was talking to chris duffin uh, a couple months ago and he was talking about how long it takes for your muscles and ligaments and tendons and bones to start to um, grow appropriately in order to support that load of this new deadlift or clean or whatever it is that you're doing. And it's not over the course of six weeks. It's over the course of years. Oh yeah. And so that's one of those things that I had to kind of wrap my head around when I got out of that, um, high intensity fitness space is like, well, what does training for life mean? You know what I mean? And it just makes you start to focus on having less pain, being more resilient PRs don't matter really unless you're competing and just kind of focusing on moving different ways and then having that supplement your life in a different way. So like, what are you using that for? And, you know, it's really difficult today because, uh, you know, fitness has become a sport and it's just like super complicated. But I also am agreeing with the with what you say in the aspect of that coaches need to have some type of remedial quote unquote rehab plan. If somebody has a nagging injury, if it's not an mm-hmm. acute injury, if it's something that's nagging, let's figure it out. You know, like, uh, um, I had a coach recently tell, um, and this is all hearsay, but, um, tell one of his athletes, Hey, the athlete comes up to him. Hey, my shoulder's hurting. He's like, cool. Just don't use it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. We have like, you know, just even go look at what Dr. Kelly storette has been doing for the last decade. There's at least some stuff in there that you can give this person to do. You know what I mean? To make it feel better so that they can move it. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think this has been basically what I'm trying to say is this, pandemic has been really good for just slowing people the fuck down and Mm -hmm. kind of making them realize that they don't need to go so hard all the time and i like the the pain-free aspect of that education course that you're teaching because we're so focused on like yeah i tore my hands doing pull-ups bro and you're like yeah so now you can't use your hands so what are you talking about
1: (laughs) yeah cool (laughs) cool yeah, now, now you, you ruined going to the pool for the next week because the chlorine is going to stink.
0: Yeah, now your hands all gooey and gross. So, I don't even yeah, know. yeah. So, what? Are, that was my rant. So,
1: uh-huh. now it's it's um it's interesting too because of the you know I let I I very much lived in the world for oh man was it six seven years of owning multiple fitness facilities and when you're in a fitness facility. The, the psychological, emotional part, aside from like wanting to look better, we're gonna ignore that part, right? right? Whatever that means to an individual is different from person to person. Generally though, it's gonna mean leaner.
0: Right.
1: People have the assumption that to lose weight, there needs to be some sort of misery applied, whether that's skipping food, skipping food types, or working your ass off in the gym no pain no gain work hard better sore than sorry etc 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 right like and going one step further so we people associate effort misery with results that's the american capitalistic way right like it's got to work for our bodies too you work harder you beat them to the sunrise whatever the hell um and i understand like we even though we know better like physiologically biologically it, we should also be able to mentally appreciate the sentiment because even when we're educated if we're sore from a workout we're like yeah sore must work and then we stop ourselves as professionals we're like oh that actually doesn't matter that much right but the non-educated consumer just associates hard effort misery with it will be a bigger result so i can understand why people think busting their ass will yield higher results. Um, With that, you know, there's other associations that people have to results. That's sweat. That's breathing hard. It's muscle soreness. All of these things look kind of like a P90X type of high intensity, high repetition, cross breed F45 orange theory type workout. And those type of things uh, for, for going like almost full circle to our fitness business are opportunities in my opinion to deliver a workout that tickles the fancy of your client and what they expect to feel while respecting what we know biologically is going to give them results. So that looks like uh, the way that I tried to do it and we had, even though we closed our studios, our average client retention was well over two years, which within the pop fitness group fitness space is very good retention, right. especially because we weren't really like a mom and pop shop where people appreciate, like if I ran that with my wife, people appreciate it. They understand you're a mom and pop. They tend to stick around longer than a name brand fit wall. When we started, we had multiple locations and it's branded so professionally that, and there was an owner and the people under, under underneath. So it, it felt like a chain. So you don't develop the same mom and pop, small local business feel. Those types of chains often have people leave much faster. Yeah, Right. Cause there's, there's, you don't have the same relate. You don't, it's harder to build a relationships because they don't have the same appreciation that it's the owner that's there working day in and day out even though right. that was the case, right? right. So um, what we try to do was we go, okay, look, people expect to sweat and breathe hard. So I'm going to give that to them in an amount and in uh, intervals that allows them to feel like they got those things, even if in a 40-minute workout, I only ever maximum gave them eight minutes worth of higher effort. Eight minutes is 20% of 40 minutes. So that's right. that 80-20 rule. So 80% of the time we were uh, <laughs> not going hard, and 20% of the time we were trying to go relatively hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, in that in the 80% of the strength training, and this this follows quite a bit of the stuff that we do with the pain-free model, is okay, what kind of positions and tempos and supersets can we elicit a more challenging feel that makes them feel like they're getting what they want, which is you know the soreness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're doing it on purpose to drive specific results. So so an example of like a Instagram superset is just doing three lower body drills back and forth with no stop in between because it makes them tired. Right. Right. So for me, instead, ours is going to look like, okay, we're going to do a, a hard ISO on a uh, bent leg, hamstring, foot-elevated bridge. Digging your heel into the bench, pulling it up, short hamstring position, holding that hard effort. Then you slide back to a almost straight leg, same thing, 10 seconds, 30 seconds on an on a ISO. And then you follow that up with slider curls. Mm-hmm. Now that is a superset where we're like, okay, let's get stronger and more motor unit recruitment in the short position, stronger, more unit recruitment in the long position, and then teach them how to go between the two. So not only do we hopefully recruit more motor to- total motor units in those different positions, but then we put it together in the actual movement itself, and that's a superset that is that makes some damn sense. Versus, all right, here's a forward lunge, and now we're gonna do squats. And then we're going to do um, curtsy squats. Yeah. That's a superset just to promote fatigue for the sake of fatigue. At right. the end of the day, like it's not probably not the end of the world, except for if they're doing it poorly, it's just going to get more poor under fatigue. Right. So what we always tried to do was go, okay, let's, we're not going to just tell people, Hey, chasing intensity and fatigue and soreness is bad. Instead we're going to be like, all right, you know what? They're human. They're emotional they they want these things so let's use that to our advantage we're going to deliver them on that but we're going to do it very specifically and uh so we were pretty successful with that
0: yeah and so the destroying thing like you know that oh that just destroyed me and now i can't sit on the toilet and i'm so what is that doing for you you know what i mean like what like yeah. you know i squat plenty i squat it's like one of my favorite things to do because as soon as I started getting into that fitness space and I saw all those guys that skipped leg day and I'm like, you guys just engineered yourself like a Taco Bell cup. You're just like small at the bottom and huge at the top. And I could just push you right over. That's like what you're, so then I just become obsessed with leg day and I do it like three to four times a week Mm -hmm. and I can still function. You know what I mean? I can still, get off the toilet I could still get out of bed I could still squat down and play with my dogs I could still do stuff and that just makes you a more functional human but like when you do like you know my favorite example is like 150 wall balls for time and then your legs are just garbage and you're just like okay so now what you know like it's just it's uh it's what is what is the the point of the adaptation that you're trying to create you know
1: Sorry, say that one more time.
0: So it's no, it's no big deal. Um, So I was alluding to like there's you know these workouts that people do where they can't walk effectively for like four or five days in a row. Okay, so so, and then yeah, then I'm like, well, why? So my biggest question in my personal practice is why? Why am I having this person doing this? What's the point? What are we trying to accomplish instead of We're just gonna do this really shitty thing as fast as we can, so then we can't function. And now, you know, they're having problems stepping off of curbs for five days in a row. It's, you know, that makes you less of a quote unquote functional human being.
1: Totally. I mean, and and, I mean, we have enough literature to show that uh, like large levels of soreness, DOMS, is going to negatively affect motor control on subsequent bouts of exercise. And if you Mm -hmm. have poor motor control, then you are more likely to get hurt, especially right. if you're going hard again. So the only time that going super hard like that, um, as an example, for the last six years, five years, six years, something like that, I would say that every two weeks I give myself a shellacking, yeah. and the rest of them are John Dan John punch the clock workouts, right? Right. Like, and I was just reading. Um, I don't remember who wrote it today. I was just reading something today for muscledoc.com talking about. Uh, Returning to exercise post-COVID, and how if you are a well-established, um, defined, developed, well-developed lifter exerciser, that the amount of effort and frequency that it takes to maintain your physique and strength is minimal, right? right? I, that, that's that's what a lot of people when they when uh, I people think I'm pretty fit, I'm decently fit. Like, I don't think I'm super duper fit, um, but I'm certainly fitter than most. And right. my amount of training that I do to maintain my fitness, people are like, you must work out every day. like, no, I work out three or four days a week, man. And it's like 40 minutes of session is what right. I was doing for the longest time. Because, but I didn't make any – it wasn't progressing in a lot of different ways. I was doing the amount that allowed me to just maintain. Right. But my level – was high enough that my maintenance level is more than what most people were. Right. So the point being um, I've done it a handful of times where, when I want to bring something up, I want to progress in, in one or two specific lifts or type of things, then every five to 10 days I'll, I'll use a deadlift and chin example in a moment. Every five to 10 days, I would just crush it, just ruin my life that one specific pattern, that one specific thing, but I kept all the other training low and methodical. And I would give that five to 10 days in between, uh, especially with similar patterns, similar exercises being very light, more of a stimulatory recovery-based approach. And that giant overload will cause a big adaptation if you let it. Right, and that just means not killing yourself again. So there's a time. I I think there's absolutely a time and a place for crushing your soul, but it cannot be. I don't think it can be weekly. I think it has to be, or at the most, it can be weekly, uh, because you need that amount of time to recover. And that that comes down. I mean, that's where you get into the micro Israel, maximal recoverable volume in a session, and knowing that generally speaking, the more volume we can fit into a week. because that's what most people's cycle or, or program will be broken down into the shortest period. The most number of sets that we can do in a week is generally going to be better uh, for development, not just so of size, but also strength in a lot of instances. And so if you kill yourself, <laughs> like you just aren't going to be able to train with meaningful intensity again until you can kill yourself again. Right. And anyway, and, we'll and sort I- like so,
0: I think it's important to, like you said, every once in a while, you just need to show yourself that you're capable of something terrible. You know what I mean? So I have these clients that I only see once a year and I only see them for like four weeks at a time because they're drawn into their everyday life. And then all of a sudden they're like, shit, I got to sign up for imaging. And then they train for imaging for like five or six weeks and just crush themselves and then barely survive that race and then are just like, ah, oh, I feel better. And then, you know, because they did that one crucible a year that they do. And it's, it's, I think really beneficial for people, but I don't think that we should constantly live in that space of chronic stress and fatigue.
1: That's it. I think there's, a, I think there's a sweet spot for, uh, I mean, let's say that you had a split that was like an upper lower split and you did upper twice a week, lower twice a week. And then that gives you three days to do, um, I would say low level full body stuff, right? That would be, that'd probably be one of my favorite splits. Uh, Even the last five years I've always done full body right now for the last seven weeks, I've been doing two uppers, two lowers, three full body recovery based days. Um, It's a nice, it's a nice combo and shoot where I was where is I going with this? Um, So with that, I think that, you know, every It's just like a classical peaking, really, where it's like, hey, one week out of the four week month or four week cycle, hit it much harder, followed up with a lighter week. you know it's just that unfortunately, where this becomes very difficult in a group fitness setting is that trying to put in a periodization over all your clients is very difficult because they all operate on their own schedules right so how are they going to be able, you know, if you got little thing, not a little thing, it's a big thing. If your first timer comes in on a max effort week and they get murdered, they may not come back.
0: Right. Or
1: they may come in on a deloading week and be like, yeah, that was weak, not coming back. Right. So the easiest thing from an implementation standpoint is every day is kind of go hard day. Most people you know even though like we can kind of get lost in the discussion of, of too much intensity, which is a very real thing yeah. and for for a sizable amount of the industry and clients, but in a, a bigger portion of the in, of the uh, world probably still doesn't train hard enough regularly enough, right? And right. so for them, their average attendance in a group fitness model is probably three times a week. And if you only go three times a week, Well, three times a week going relatively hard is probably manageable Right. because we also have to think about the fact that their three times a week with their motor skill, with their output potential, with their level of what they think is hard is going to be much different than any ex-athlete or someone that has done this before. So you, you roll, which means that you probably are do a pretty good job of being able to put forth a shitload of effort. Yeah. I can produce a pretty good amount of effort in a short period of time. One of the the easiest ways to um, explain this to people, I think, is when you are doing a hit drill in a pop fitness room. If you try to do high intensity jump squats for 15 seconds, people look at you like, what did we even do? I go 15 seconds, I want to throw up because I'm max jump effort every time. They don't know, they have a governor at 80%. And so 80% isn't a true high intensity. So um, where there's a, I think a a disconnect in, in some people in the industry and what's actually happening with their clients is their clients can only get up to 80% because they don't know how to push harder. Right. And so when we do the same workout, we think we're like, man, no, like they're going to kill themselves. Well, they never tried that hard. Um, so
0: and to kind of unpack that a little bit, you know, that's where I think like competition is really important to for people to understand what that maximal effort really is, you know. So for yeah. for like jujitsu, you know, I was training pretty hard, and um, I don't know if you know of him, but his name's Jamie Varner. So he was a former WEC uh, lightweight champion. He came up to altitude to train with us like for weeks before um, his uh, fight with uh, Donald Cerrone when they were back in WEC, like way back in the day. And, you know, so I was training with him plus doing my normal training sessions and it was probably cardiovascularly the fittest I've ever been. And then when I got to that tournament, you know, I, I grappled a jujitsu guy and did really well ended up with a guillotine within like the first like 60 seconds or whatever. And then the second guy was a wrestler. And I was like, what in the fuck is this guy doing? Holy shit. You know what I mean? Just like that intensity level spiked substantially. And for the first two minutes, I was just like in a tornado of survival. You know what I mean? uh, Like fast forward like four years to a uh, CrossFit competition we like we had to it was a really fun competition and it was a team competition we had to solve this little puzzle in order to get the um to open a lock box in order to get our timer out and stop it and so while one partner was doing that he had to solve part of the puzzle and then row on the rowing machine and we were supposed to accumulate 100 calories together well i took off went through little obstacle course and when i was jumping over a wall my glasses fell off so i couldn't see shit Hmm. get on the rower and just start rowing and unbeknownst to me that guy only rode like 25 calories so i'm like (laughs) sprinting 75 calories and thought i was gonna die for like the next five hours you know what i mean so that like i never push myself that hard in the gym you know i like I pace myself i'm going to survive this workout, and then where once you start getting towards that light at the end of the tunnel, then I start pushing harder and whereas most people you know they they push hard in the beginning and then fade, and so that's yeah. how you get this. but for the most part it's just intelligent pacing or subconscious subconscious pacing, you know what I mean, and so like very few people know that hundred percent maximal effort and that's where like, you know, that assault bike just crushes people or that's why, you know, sled pushes just crush people because they don't understand what like true intensity is. Like when you're surviving a tornado of terror from a wrestler that's just assaulting you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, those are those are cool tools to teach what it actually feels like to go hard because if, if you try to do it with a kettlebell snatch, you try to do it with jump squats, you try to do it with any of these other methods that require coordinated skill and if you got coordinated skills you you can't go true all out Um, you get those assault bikes and sleds of battle ropes and things like It's like this is very simple shake your arms yeah and it just ruins people's days because they finally have something that they can do hard enough that's a i think it's probably the saving grace of a lot of the pop fitness facilities out there where they people can't go truly all the way all out because it requires a, a modicum of uh, bodily control and awareness that right. unfortunately a lot of people just don't have.
0: Right. And so a lot of people, we, it's a, it's a natural instinct to kind of go to that survival place and not go into that fight or flight, right? And yeah. so, you know, that's uh, like if you're, so, you know, it's Memorial Day, so Murph is coming up. You know, you're not just like going to, if you're not, if you're a moderately or even above average fit human, you're not going to finish your 300 squat and then sprint a mile. You're not going to, you know what I mean? You're going to, yeah. ch- you're going to chug it out and, and make it with those concrete legs. You know what I mean? So it's a, uh, I don't know. The fitness space is really, it's really interesting and really kind of weird right now. And I think that um this, is an opportunity for everybody to kind of look at, you know, how they're feeling and what's going on and what's, you know, a lot of people aren't working as much. So then they're like, Oh, I'm not as stressed out as I normally am. And so I'm actually feeling a lot better and I'm actually performing a lot better. I'm getting substantial amounts of sleep. So now I'm performing a lot better. You know what I mean? And I've gone through periods over this last A couple months where I'm eating really well and then I'm eating really bad you know what I mean (laughs) because like I'm I'm an emotional eater and like you know there's times where I have a lot of anxiety and I just need that dopamine hit to make me feel better you know what I mean sometimes that dopamine needs to be just getting pumped into my system all day long and so but then I it's a noticeable difference from when I'm you know eating fruits and vegetables other and instead of like for some reason I just chose Cookies as my drug of choice during this whole thing. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, humans are weird. And I, I say that to every person I talk to, because the more we dive into it, the more I'm like, God, it's a miracle we made it this far. So
1: it definitely is.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I'm really pumped on what you guys are doing. And I'm really uh, excited to hopefully take that course in the future, because it sounds just right up my alley.
1: Well, I know that I will be, I'm working on, we're working on uh, a Phoenix option.
0: Yes. Uh, when is that?
1: The hard part with any wins right now is, yes. as we talk to the gyms and <laughs> they're like, oh man, sorry. We can't tell you anything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that makes sense.
0: Yes. So, um, how many people do you normally have? In one- well, we,
1: we have a couple of types of, um, events that we do. So we have our major events and those would be ones that John and I uh, would teach ourselves. And those are upwards 80, hundred people. So that's yeah. like one that we did on it. Now with that, it's not just John and I, we, when we were at on it, we had 80 something people and we had John and myself. And then we also had seven instructors. Yeah. So when it's time for breakouts, it's a one to 10, like it's right. a, it's a very, very good ratio on practical stuff. Um, this course is roughly 60% practical, 40% lecture. So there's a lot more lecture here. When you have more lecture, you know, it's easier to manage a, a large group because it's just, it's material and information. Uh, it's one of the reasons like FRC, they can, they have a lot of uh, assistance there, yeah. but there's a lot of lecture material at those, Great. especially if Spina gets going.
0: Yeah, and, that was uh, a really fun course, man. That's... It's a good one. That's by far one of my favorites.
1: And uh, you're rocking the shirt right now. I can only see the top of it, but I think I recognize it. (laughs) Yep. Um, So we have the giant big big ones and big events. Those are really fun. But we also do partnerships with different gym chains. Uh, Equinox is one of our preferred partners. And there's some other ones that that are more um, private um, partnerships. And, and those are things that we're looking into now, developing other partnerships, uh, because we think that, uh, and the feedback has been good for us, um, that if you're a new trainer, our cert is really good for people. Yeah. And because it's it's basically, you know, if you look at any specialty cert, what do they do? They tell you, these are the six exercises that you do with this tool. Go give these exercises to your clients. But Mm -hmm. what if your clients, what if they're not appropriate for your clients? Right. So, so, you you know, the kettlebell cert as a good example, not the way that we taught it, but the way that it's taught in a lot of instances is like, here's how you do this drill. And if you can't do it this way, now you need a bunch of correctives to try to do it this way. Well, fuck, what if you never should have been doing that drill to begin with?
0: Right. And And, yes, that goes back down to the why. Why is this person doing that? And so if they're not capable of doing it, then you need to. Have them do something else, and if you can't figure out what that something else is, then that's a huge gap in your knowledge that you need to fill. So, like, you know, one of the reasons, one of the main uses that I have for like the DNS stuff is if somebody can't organize their spine to deadlift properly, then you need to regress them past that. And if you don't know what a different regression is from the deadlift, then that's where you need to start looking at other avenues of education. And so um, yeah, one of the reasons why I ask is I have a few, I have uh, one place in mind if you guys are focusing on like smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Like this, I think there was, uh, like I took uh, the clinical neurodynamics with Michael Shacklock at um, this place. It's a evolution physical therapy ran by Jeff Baran, And uh, you guys might be able to squeeze a course in there.
1: I know the name Jeff Baran. I don't think I've ever met him. Yeah. And he's right there in Scottsdale, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Correct. Yep. And so I believe we had, I believe we had about 20 people in there and it was, it was, I mean, it was pretty packed, but he also has um, like a, there's like a little lecture area, but then also like a gym that's attached to it. So that might be a good option for you guys. If you're focusing on kind of starting out small and then kind of expanding from there.
1: Yeah. We want to, we're going to be making sure that we respect, um, any and every recommendation on group size.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, we chose to not go digital certification because there is so much hands-on coaching that if, you know, if we're going to put our, our PPSC certified certified instructor label on somebody, but we've never been able to watch them actually physically take somebody through what we're saying. That's a tough one. You know, like, yeah, that's a, that's tough to do. Um, it's not all conceptual. It is practical in nature. And so therefore for us to feel like we have the integrity in the certifying process, like we got to stay in person ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of, there's, I think there's uh, not that very many people who can just take an idea and run with it. You know, that's why uh, me and Andy started our courses to help people Figure out how to integrate a lot of these concepts from all these different courses into their practice and make it their own unique thing, you know. Because, um, the other thing that's funny about all these certifications, is they're like, This is all you ever need, and you're like, You don't need any other, you don't need anything else. And you're like, Well, that's not true, <laughs> you know. What yeah, I mean? <laughs> um, and it's uh, yeah, it's good. There's humans are weird. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You got to get a shirt that says that. <laughs> I do.
0: Um, yeah. So I know a few other places down in uh, Phoenix that might be able to accommodate you guys. So if you guys need some help with that, you can reach out and I'll see what I can do on my end because okay, I'd, love to, I I'd love to go and that's just easier for me just to drive down for the weekend and then come back up, you know?
1: Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I will, we will definitely follow up with that.
0: Perfect. Right on. Well, I just, uh, we just blew through like well over an hour. So I'm going to let you get back to your family and your commune. Um, uh, so tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find information on those uh, certs and everything like that.
1: So my, my most active thing is uh, Instagram. Uh, two things there. One is going to be mine at Clifton Harsky. And, you know, I think my description on there says personal account. Sometimes I fitness. Yeah. Uh, so every so often I do a little fitnessy stuff, but not a whole hell of a lot. Any real education fitness base is going to be found at get PPSC. That's the handle at get PPSC. Um, and it's get is okay. where we'll have the listing events and everything. And we are fleshing out that website. It, we're brand new. I mean, last year was the first year we were certifying officially. Yeah. Uh, we did a, a lot of certifications between John and I. Uh, and a couple other instructors as well. Some really awesome. We have, we have a hell of a crew, uh, very, very well established and seasoned group. Nice. Uh, pretty excited. We were really excited to roll it out with hundreds of certs this year, And then obviously now we have to reschedule everybody, but yeah. good news is it's uh, it's let us practice. We have weekly practice, multiple weekly practice calls to get the instructors all. Um, just we're going to, we're going to crush when we, when we get going. Yeah. Um, so get PPSC.com. At ppsc P- F- on Instagram, and then uh, I, you know I don't even know if people Facebook anymore. I don't. Yeah, it's uh, not there that often.
0: Yeah, it's overrun based on ads, based on who you're talking to and what conversations you're having and when your phone's listening, and it's really tough. yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so super weird, but uh, man, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, man, thanks so much for inviting me on, and uh, you know we'll 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 stay up on the on the socials and uh, follow up about that phoenix event potential
0: absolutely all right we'll talk soon my friend have a good one you as well